and welcome. This is Two Beers, Please. We've got beer, sports, and whatever other random shit that will certainly come up in our discussions. There's there's always something. With me is, of course, my co-host and compadre, Yannick. I'm Matthew Phillips. Shout out to Ryan Turner for changing my contact to, say, Matthew Phillips, formerly Matt Smith. Although I did tell him, I was like, you can still, I'm still Matt Smith to you. You're, you're an OG. Plus, it's not, you know, a professional setting. But uh, been a big week. The Grammys were this Wednesday. Wait, my, my bad. That was the inauguration. There was just about a million musical performances <laughs> that day. Like, I, literally, everyone's like, dude, you see this person perform? I was like, how many people are they having perform? Right. I. It's funny. I, I don't ever know what's going on anymore. So you said that, and I was like, oh, shit. That's crazy that the Grammys were the same night as the inauguration. And then I got it. I was a little slow to that one, not going to lie. I was like, oh, shit, who won? Well, there's also so many, like, musical award shows that I never, like, people are like, hey, did you watch the AMAs or the VMAs or the Grammys? And I'm like, no, I can't keep track of every single one of these award shows. Right. And also, I mean, I don't know if you agree with me here, but, like, most award shows are ass. You know what I mean? Like, they, all of them, most, yeah. they're, like, comparing apples and oranges but music above all it's just like how are you going to put these in the same genre how are you going to judge these like for me music goes as far as this i have music that i like i have artists that i like i have a couple albums slash artists that are my favorite that's the distinction i make i don't make better or worse or yeah it's all subjective man i would agree especially with music like it's tight it's tough like genre wise how can you like really compare uh, like which one's better or not. Uh, even like country music has so many award shows. I feel like there's weekly, there's a country music award show, which we, we got in the wrong business. We'd be raking in the awards. Like if you're a country music star, you have to have at least several awards because there's no way you don't. Yeah. 18 time big green tractor award goes to Matthew Phillips. That'd be a sick award. I and you would just I imagine like a big like a really like a big green tractor and it comes with like in the carriage of it comes like uh two beers like in a in a little in a little ice bucket. That would be great. I that is honestly I, I that. the greatest like trophy ever. Like that one you actually kind of get something to enjoy. Other ones, you know, it's just a big piece of metal. So I think you're onto something there. Uh in all seriousness, shout out to uh, Amanda Gorman for uh, truly flooring, I think, the whole world with her powerful and beautiful words. Her books are, are currently the top three on Amazon's bestseller. So I've never been a massive poetry guy, Jan, but I, I think I, I think I have to get those bad boys, right? Yeah, I'm I'm absolutely ordering them uh, ASAP. I've always liked poetry. Uh, it depends on the on the type. Sometimes I'm really into it, and sometimes I'm like, "Yo, just tell me that you're sad." You know what I mean? Like I I just you know like sometimes I get it. <laughs> I get it, and and like I've been there. But but I I just you know who I feel bad for Garth Brooks who was in there singing his poor his poor little song he was fine but then Amanda Gorman got on she was like do you want to know what real art is and then everybody was like oh shit yeah screw all of your different musical performances I'm going to steal this show I'm what 20, I love it. 22 years old like so young so talented uh, but we really do have a great show for you guys today. We're going to make our, our conference picks in college basketball. Jan's going to highlight some big weekend games in the land of footy. And, of course, we will be making our selections for the NFC and the AFC championship games. I'm terrified but uh, excited. Uh, make sure you're following us on all our social media platforms. Two Beers Please Facebook page. Our Instagram, the word two beers please underscore podcast. And the Twitter, the number two bp underscore podcast i like how similar but different our our different handles are you know it gets the point across everyone it's clear that it, it's all under the same umbrella but there's some nice variety uh and of course subscribe to wherever you listen to podcasts anchor spotify apple podcasts do it do it right now while you're listening get it get it off your you know chest and or not, not off your chest but check it off your checklist there you go <laughs> that makes more sense someone it Someone out there is like, man, I, I have this thing I have to get off my chest. I haven't followed two beers. Please. I haven't subscribed <laughs> to beers, please. Dude, oh, I the love therapist that. is just like, I don't, I think there's probably other stuff we can talk about today. Yeah. Do you remember like 
the world is falling apart and all you're worried about is this podcast. And then he's like, no, wait. Their priorities you have are to right. Before you judge. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The therapist is in the room crying while he listens to us. That's what it is. <laughs> oh, All right, Jan. Gosh. I'm bringing back the turn of phrase. Uh, and I, yeah. I, got, I got a bit of an interest in one here because so far when I've okay. done them, they've been, they've been very easy to, um, you know, kind of research. But I've got pulling my leg or like pulling your leg. You, you know what I mean? Pulling someone's leg, that, that old phrase. And uh, it's, uh, which of course, you know, means to, to lie to someone in, in somewhat of a friendly manner. But it's interesting because people don't really know the etymology behind this one. I've scoured the internet and, and there really isn't a solid answer on where it came from. It was popularized in the 20th century, seems to kind of have originated in, in maybe the second half of the 1800s. But there are two, there are two popular theories, but neither of them are, are really like accepted as, as the truth. The first one, which I'm not even sure why this is a theory, because it, it doesn't seem to make much sense in, in the form of like, you know, jokingly lying to your friend. But the, the first theory is that uh, people used to pull on criminals' legs when they were being hanged to help speed up the process. So I'm, I'm not really sure. I'm not even sure why that's a theory, because I don't know how like you get from there to like, oh, yeah, that guy was just joking with me. That seems a uh, quite a leap. <laughs> but that is one of the popular theories. And then the other one, which like I guess kind of makes more sense, but doesn't really seem to to have a connection to like I mean obviously there's a reason these theories aren't really accepted, uh, is that criminals used to pull on people's legs to make them trip, and then they'd steal their money. But uh, neither of those like those are the two popular theories, and everyone's still just kind of like, but that neither of them make much sense. Right. I I guess the second one makes sense to me. I suppose. Certainly uh, makes more I, sense than the hanging one. I'm like, what? Right. I I guess the first one could be like, s- someone's like, I'm pulling your leg to kill you, and he's like, what? And they're like, J.K. The noose is actual and killing you. <laughs> I'm not doing much. I'm just speeding up the process. <laughs> I'm here to help you. Like I'm here to help you down. Just kidding. I'm pulling your leg, and I'm, yeah, I'm just, just gonna <laughs> kill you faster. It used to be a much cheekier lie. Nowadays, it's like simple thing. Yeah. Back in the day, it was like an et tu brute situation. Seriously. He's like, are you stabbing me? Uh, no. Ah, just pulling your leg. I'm killing you right I now. am. Right. I'm, I'm murdering you. Oh, yeah. For sure. That's me. There you go. Yeah. I, I thought like, because I couldn't think of a good one. So I just started like looking them up. And I was like, oh, you know, that's one that's like used a lot. And then once I started researching it, it was like, yeah, we don't really know where it came from. People just, it's here though. Right. And it's also surprising that there's I, I think that's so fascinating when language that everybody uses, like some terms of phrase, like the one where you said the other day, you said uh, hair of the dog or, or something like that was was the phrase. And like, I don't see I don't hear everybody use that. Everybody has used pull on your leg at some point, e- even if it's been like sarcastically, you know, so it's so funny that we don't actually know where that comes from. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Uh, it was at first I was like kind of disappointed. And then I was like, actually, it's kind of cool to have this, uh, you know, unknown etymology, but, um, those, those are the two theories behind it. I'm not sure. Oh, we, I love how, yeah, I just love how like the, <laughs> all these words are just like, you know, we just used to fuck with criminals. And so like, we couldn't just kill them. We had to like kill them in a weird way and like stop them. Criminals were just like the butt of every joke back in the day, as you know, I guess as they should have been. But yeah, take that criminals. Take that criminals. They're so rough. Reading about like what they used to do to criminals, too, is so like so horrifying. Like if you like just like the most minor infractions, like, all right, now we're going to burn you at the stake. Like I just grabbed a second piece of bread. Right, exactly. It's straight up Jean Valjean murder style over here it's you know what my thing is the tarring and the feathering sounds terrible can you imagine pouring hot tar all over your bot i would die from that forget the feathering i don't care about the feathering part and growing up too i remember like because you don't really learn like they can kind of give you know the pg sort of thing of it so you're like oh man that guy looks so silly with all those feathers and then as you get older you're like what's the fucking point of the feathers they are melting alive Right. It was just adding insult to injury, really. Really. Like grave injury. My goodness. Yeah. If if you're out there and you're ever mad at me, you really want to get back to me for because I wronged you, 
just pour a bunch of hot tar. I promise I'll never do it again, whatever it was. That will get your message across just clearly that uh, you're not very yeah. happy with me. Yeah, I, at that point, I'll get it, you know? You know, we got we to, gotta, we got to, men don't get things sometimes. We can be, we can be a little dense. Get, we can be dense, but let me tell you, put some hot tar on the situation. We will get cover, it. We will 100 Cover my it. body with tar. You don't even need to do the feather parts. Just the just the tar. I think I will I will understand that you are I've I've, you know, displeased you in some sort of fashion. All right. I, I will understand. We'll have a talk and be like, okay, so what's happening? There's obviously something going on here. Fucking <laughs> okay, hor just horrifying. Uh, well, Jan, how are you doing today, my man? I'm doing pretty well. I'm doing pretty well. I, um, I've been finally, like, slowly but surely, like, feeling like I'm back uh, in my own, in, in the city, you know, coming back from Iowa is always a little weird, I feel. I don't know if you feel that, oh, yeah. but I always feel like, I don't know where I'm from, you know, because the city doesn't feel, and I've, like, I'm still unpacking a little bit, so I'm going to get that little less, last bit of that done today. But I, I joined a new gym, so that's been really fun. I've joined a, a CrossFit gym, so I've been doing that. And, and uh, yeah, just just keeping yourself busy. You know, I think, I think um, you just have to rem remind yourself that, like, this is going to sound so, like, ethereal, but time doesn't really exist. You know what I mean? And I think that's, like, important to remember in these – in these moments, you know, like there are days and there are weeks and there are hours and there are periods of time. And, and that, you know, there's something that go along with that that are important. But at, at the end of the day, like you just got to wake up and do you and, and make as much progress as you can with whatever you stand. And then it's not like you got to stop thinking about it like day and day and day and day and day. Cause then you get like caught in your head and stuff like that. How are you doing though, buddy? I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to <laughs> unpack all, all of that. I, uh, uh, yeah, time doesn't exist, yeah. guys. Inception. Time doesn't. Um, it doesn't. I get what you mean, though. Of like, I mean, I think, think too. Like, we all, we all want to put ourselves on like some sort of like timeline of like life. Um, and right, you know, exactly. Most of it is out of our control, so it's a, it's kind of a, a foolish thing to try and, uh, or not even try, but it's a foolish thing to like fret about a lot of times because like. And it kind of is what it is, but I'm doing all right. Uh, we're going to, of course, talk a little more college basketball later, but man, oh. that, that Hawkeyes loss last night was tough. You know, Keegan had, a, had some nice moments at the start of the second half. Wieskamp had a good first half, but then one point for him in the second. Bohannon, 0 for 8 in the game, 0 points in the game, or 0 for 8 from 3 in the game, 0 points. And, you know, last episode, you asked me about Connor McCaffrey's impact on the team. You should have asked me about J-Bo. And honestly, I, I don't totally blame him for it. I was talking to my mom about it last night. Uh, and like, Bohannon is just a three-point shooter. Like, that's just, that's it. That's what he is. It's it's a fine thing to be. But the team and, and Fran McCaffrey ask him to do so much more than that. And it really puts him in a bad position because he can't do more than that. Like, that, all he can do is shoot threes. And he can't even, like, he's not even one of those three-point shooters like Steph. Like, sometimes J-Bo thinks he is where he's like, Oh, I can shoot a three wherever, however. And he's not like he kind of needs to be open and kind of be in rhythm. If he misses his first couple, he's probably not going to make many more. So I, I think like I think it's I kind of put it more on Fran than J-Bo because we know what J-Bo can do. And so when you're kind of asking somebody to do more than they can, they're they're going to look bad. But when you go over eight from three, that's that's not only not helping your team, like you're actively hurting it. So tough when you you have a nine point lead with 12 minutes to go and you end up losing by 12. Like that's, that's a bad performance by the team. And I think mostly I, I blame a lot of it on some poor coaching decisions last night. Yeah. You know, I felt that way in a lot of games this season, you know, it really makes me question whether, and I hate to do this, but like, it really makes me question whether Fran like is the coach to like, get us past, like get us in a tournament situation where we can make some, impacts you know it just feels like the players play well and we win or the players play poorly and we lose and that can't be the situation you have to find a way to win even when you're not playing the best and I don't know if Fran's the coach to have to do that and the reason I didn't ask about Jabo Matt is because I didn't need to have a conversation about Jabo I I know that he's a poor man's Kyle Korver that's all he is like he he I, he comes on and when he shoots threes and I love him and when he doesn't, I you run, remember that he's completely useless. Like that's what it is. 
and people talk about him when he's from three. Like he is like the hottest stuff. Like the greatest. Like he is, like, I, I, I almost, I almost was upset when he had that like nice little like few game streak where he was actually hitting. Cause I was like, Oh my God, now people are going to think he's good again. And he's not bad. He's just very, very limited. Um, I, I agree with, right. Fran. I mean, I'll, I'll be critical of Fran because that's what I do as a sports fan. And certainly as a, a podcast, I think at the same time, like Fran's Fran's probably the, second or third best coach we've ever had at Iowa. What he's done to turn us around oh, yeah. has been great. And I think also it's one of those times as Iowa basketball fans, we have to remind ourselves like we're not Duke. We're not Kentucky. We're, we're not probably going to get a better coach than Fran, but Fran and himself is limited as, as, as a coach. Uh, the, my, the aforementioned friend of mine, Ryan Turner, me and him were talking about it. And he goes like, there's times where Fran almost has this arrogance about like his decision-making where he's like so headstrong and like, this is going to be the lineup and this is what's going to be like this and that. And it's like, dude, like lose a little bit of that pride and actually take a look at what's going on in the game and make the changes. Right. Yeah. Cause otherwise I think we see more Keegan Murray, you know, I think we'd see, you know, in a, in a coach that's a little more flexible with that decision-making. Uh, but yeah, I, it was, it was a ter- it was a terrible end of the game that's all it was it wasn't like a bad game through and through it was just terrible ending and and with the games coming up that we have which we'll talk about later a little nervous we'll see we'll see after i that's the thing with i being a fan of a team that isn't traditionally strong in basketball too i feel like i i ride this wave with their performances you know what i mean like i'm when we win i'm like let's go buddy big 10 champs here up and coming and then when we lose, I'm like, are we going to make the tournament? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, this year too, it's like, man, we're so close to like getting a possible one seed or a two seed or, or, or winning the Big Ten Conference outright. And I mean, they're still in fine position to do that. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, Michigan just got blown out by Minnesota. Illinois lost at home to Maryland. Wisconsin's lost at home. So it it is one of those things where too, like after the game, like after the game immediately, I was like, we're screwed. We're going to, you know, finish fifth and the sky was falling, but you take a little time to, to get a little more perspective. And it's like, all right, we're, we're still okay. And I think that's, it's partly too. why I think college basketball can be a little more fun than, than the NBA because like guys aren't, they aren't the greatest basketball players in the world. They're really, really good, but they're going to have off nights. Like we saw last night. Right. Exactly. Cause even when you're playing, terrible basketball teams in the NBA, like horrible basketball teams, you know, you still have like when you were playing the Knicks in last season, right? Like there's the worst teams. You still had RJ Barrett, who was like one of the best basketball players in the country. Mitchell Robinson. Like Like, you still have a talent, a team of like insanely good basketball players. Right. Exactly. Meanwhile, J J Bo, you know, the next time he'll play is going to be in the YMCA with you and I, you know what I mean? Like I, you know, he's, he's fine for college, but that's what he'll be, you know. I, yeah, it's that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't really think Jabo will either go, will even go to Europe. Like I think, think his, think his uh, basketball career probably lies more in coaching. But uh, yeah, tough loss. Hopefully, we'll bounce back. Next game is Friday against Illinois, and cert- certainly, you know, if they go into Illinois and they win next Friday, all, all is quickly forgiven. But uh, what are you drinking today, my man? Yeah, I'm sticking with the beer that I drank last episode, the Alpen Flow from Six Point. I just, I love this beer. Let me tell you, you know what it is, Matthew. A lot of beers, you know, companies that are stationed in the in the states, like a lot of them say, "Oh, this is like a Bavarian style lager." Like they love throwing the word lager around as if like they can just claim that, and and you know, it's not like it's just not doesn't taste like that. It tastes like any other beer any other cores light can, you know, but this Alpenflow and I'll open it for you guys right now just to get that nice. Oh yeah. No, but this Alpenflow really like, I feel like oh, the lager, the lager is, the lager is more about how it's made, not how it's, how it tastes. So. Right. For sure. But it's, it's the Bavarian style before it. It's the Bavarian style lager before it because Bavarian style should mean cream of the crop. It shouldn't just be any old lager. It should be, Cream of the crop lager. I'm in the Allianz Arena. I don't, I don't think that's, that's not what play. it means. It's it's the it's how sure. it's it's how it's made. It doesn't mean like the greatest of the beer. It's the form of what it's made. Sorry, I, right. I gotta be a, I gotta part. be a beer snob for a, for a bit as someone who worked in a 
restaurant with high quality beer. Like that's not, I mean, I kind of get what you're saying, but like it's, it's not in reference of how good it is. It's in reference to, which is why also my dad, he went to, he went to Ireland for my cousin's wedding a long time ago. And like for a long, long time, the only beers that were made were lagers and ales and then stouts and porters eventually came around and so the Irish always say that you can drink as much Guinness as you want because since it's not a late lager and ale, it's technically not a beer, which I, I think which I think is the greatest rule ever. I think that's great. Yeah, I guess what I what I where where my where my uh, kind of criticism lies is it, even even if when it says Bavarian style, even if it means a certain thing, I hear it as. This has the mark of Bavaria. This should be like it's from Bavaria. And, you know, this one tastes like it's really good. I'm complimenting this one. And uh, it goes well with my Bayern being four points on top of the Bundesliga this week. So, I was following when they were only up by, like, what, two points? Yeah, that's how it is. Spo- these spoiled-ass fans. <laughs> like, oh, no, the Patriots, the Patriots missed the playoffs. You just won six Super Bowls in, like, 20 years. Oh my goodness! You know what? Let me be a spoiled fan. That's who I am. I don't know what else to tell you. Oh, that's fine. I'm just gonna give you. I'm just gonna give you shit for it. Uh, I uh, so fair. I worked at this. Uh, I I would say it's a horrible like pop up a couple summers ago called the Rose Mansion. Uh, it was it was a good job because it was incredible for meeting ladies. Like obviously, no, there was nobody coming to the Rose Mansion that was like dudes. It it was ninety five percent women. So. Not a bad job in that sense, but like mostly just like horrible because we just had to like pour little bits of wine throughout. But there was one wine that we served that was it was like based off of a wine that Cleopatra enjoyed. It's called Rosa Regale. It's kind of like a darker sort of rose. It's slightly carbonated, so like not quite like a a sparkling wine, but just kind of below that. And it's like the most delicious wine in the world. It it literally tastes like juice. That's that sounds really good. I man, I'm so mad. I never went to the Rose Mansion when you worked there. I I missed my opportunity. I, we should have. I always like talk to. I think I probably talked to you about it and a couple of the other guys. Where I was like, sometimes we like we just have to go with like a little because I I think I got like tickets to go. But then I think also whenever I had my day off, I was like, no, I don't really want to go back and drink at the Rose Mansion. I want to go anywhere else. That's fair. Yeah. We would, it would have to be a group situation where we're all in it together. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it was, uh, you know, it wasn't all a bad job. I worked with a lot of good people, which I think in any job, no matter how crappy the job is, if you got some good coworkers, it always helps, you know? Yeah. I, I feel like it's the most important. I mean, like the money is the most important for sure. So that like dictates a lot. But the second most important has to be you know, if the people, are, because even if you're doing something you love, right? Like, let's say, like, you know, you're, you're in a, you're in a feature, uh, even that, you know, I would, I would be fine with it. What I'm saying <laughs> I is get like, over that. If, I'm not, <laughs> but I get, I get the road you're going down. Yeah. If I'm working with an asshole next to me, even if I love what I'm doing, I'm, I'm still going to feel like, ugh, I don't like being in this we've, environment. We've both been in plays that like, yeah, we enjoyed it, but like, just the other cast or, you know, directors or just whatever the other people that are involved, you're like, this isn't, this isn't that fun. Like it's not, I'm not enjoying this as much. And I mean, I think we all, everybody's been in, in that sort of thing. And yeah, it, it makes a big, a big impact. For sure. I remember junior year of college, I was in a musical and you want to know why I don't like the Seahawks besides like other random reasons. It's because the director of the show would watch the Seahawks in the playoffs instead of paying attention during tech rehearsal. Like he would just be in the crowd watching the Seahawks play. And I hated the Seahawks. See, that's that why reason. that's why I couldn't be a director. I remember because you I remember like when I was doing Gatsby, it was during like the Packers playoff run, and I was just like watching the Packers. And I remember one time that our director was just like, That game gonna help you remember your lines. And then I didn't like this director, so it didn't really matter too much. But I was just like I, I know my line. It's like we're like two weeks from opening. Like, shut the fuck up, dude. You think I don't know my yeah. lines? <laughs> also, this is like lines? a community theater thing. Let's stop acting like this is some big time shit that's about to go down. Chill. Right. It's like if you want to give me my equity card, then then I will put this game down. I will put this game down when you hand me my equity card. All right. Otherwise, let me watch my damn Packers play. Thank you very much. Like as soon as you say it's my time to work, I'll be ready to go. I can promise you that. I 
chill, chill, dude. All right, Jan, let's let's get into to it today. Let's get with our warm up. I've got a, a warm up question that I almost I almost feel like I jinxed oh, I jinxed you. the Hawkeyes last night because my answer Probably. is is Hawkeye basketball uh, uh, related. But I want to know what is your most painful sports memory. What a great question. We talked about this, but like I I I for random reason I do remember my most joyful sports memory, but like far less than I remember my most painful the one. Pain, I the pain is where, seared in there. I remember where I was. I remember every moment of it happening. Cause you you asked this question in the notes and I said, What is my most painful? And not only did the game come up, but everything that had happened Day, in that game. The weather. Oh, oh my gosh. And um Okay, my most painful sports memory. And this is a this is to tell you how painful this is. I've watched Germany go out in two different semifinals of the World Cup, right? I watched and I I've watched the Celtics get close and lose. I've watched the Red Sox get close and lose. I, I've watched so many of my teams get close and lose because I have good teams, you know, that I fans of. So they get really far and then they lose. You know, I watched the Patriots lose twice to the Giants. That's not on here either. In terrible fashion. Yeah, that would be a good the the undefeated year. That would have been a good one. Yeah, but that's not the most painful one, Matt. You don't know what the most painful I, one. I'm is? guessing it's it was, soccer related. It was 2012, the Champions League final oh, in, oh. in in Munich, in Munich. Oh, oh, it was so hard. We lost to Chelsea, and not only did we lose to Chelsea, because if we had just lost to a better team at home, it would have sucked. But we went up. Chelsea Chelsea sucked that year. We went up in the 83rd minute. We scored. Thomas Muller. We thought that's it. The golden boy scores the goal that's going to give us the win on home soil. And then DDA Drogba scores in the 88th. We go to penalties. Juan Mata misses his first one. So I'm like, okay, we got this. You know, it was a... It was a hard struggle, but we got this. And then we go down. Olich misses the fourth. And who... Of all people, misses the decisive kiss, but Bastian Schweinsteiger. I mean, break my heart, why don't you? Oh my God. I literally, I sat on the ground sobbing, sobbing. I was like, how could this have happened? Because we got close twice. And it was like, we won the treble, right? Two different times. But like the first treble we won, really for me, is like golden age Bayern. You got Neuer, Boateng, Philip Lahm. Robin and Ribéry, Thomas Muller more in his prime, Bastian Schweinsteiger, Tony. You don't get to talk about the good times, Yannick. This is only pain. I know, but I'm saying that's why it was painful because it was all of my my favorite team. It was my favorite team in their stadium in the Champions League final, and we lost, and it was the worst. Oh, God. I think Chelsea Chelsea finished like seventh that year in the Premier League too. Like it wasn't a very great Chelsea team. I remember I was I was very upset by that final because I screw Chelsea. I I like I have a love hate relationship with Didier Drogba. I love him, but like the fact he plays for Chelsea and that I love him makes me almost hate him because I'm just like, can't you play for anyone else? I shouldn't say anyone else because I'd hate him more if he was you know for City or Liverpool. But he's like he's one of those players you like kind of ha- like you have to love Didier Drogba even when he kicks you like that. No, I don't love Didier Drogba. I, I, I respect him. I'll give you that. But I don't love him. He scored the winning penalty and the goal to tie it to go. No, no, no. I don't love him. He's done too much. He's done too much. He's, uh, he's a great player, Jan. I don't. I respect him. I didn't say I don't respect him. I respect the hell out of him. I just don't like him. I can't like him. It's just not. That's it, it's it's in my blood. I cannot like him. That, that's just what it yeah, is. That makes sense. <laughs> But I mean, I, that's, that's kind of what I'm saying, you know. Obviously, he's, he's yeah. brought some pain to Manchester United, but I, like you know, just what he's done and everything, you can't you can't not look at the guy and be like, well, like you're you're really <laughs> fucking good and you've done a lot of good stuff. Uh, mine is uh, the 2006 NCAA tournament, the three seed Iowa going up against the 14 seed Northwestern State. I had just like recently really gotten into sports, like I was enjoyed sports but like probably 2005 was when i became like in the insane fanatic that i am now um and that 2005 2006 iowa basketball team was so good jeff horner adam haluska greg bruner eric hansen doug thomas coming off the bench tony freeman the freshman like they were so so good they tied for the big 10 regular season crown went on to win the big 10 tourney 
a three seed, as I said before. It was the highest seed for Iowa since 1987. Like easily just the best Iowa team that I had I had ever seen in my life. And, you know, three seed, 14 seed, you're, you're feeling confident. My brother at the time was looking at colleges. So we were on a tour of like DePaul or Loyola, one of the Chicago schools, and I couldn't watch the game, but I was confident that we'd win. And this was, you know, before smartphones and the ESPN app, or even, do you remember when you used to be able to like text ESPN and they would tell you what the score was? I don't even think that that was a thing yet. Uh-huh. So like, I had no yeah, idea to know what was going on, but I felt confident. <laughs> and we go out to eat after the tour. I knew the game was over. So I immediately find a TV and like the TV gets to the highlight of the Iowa game. And I see Northwestern state make a fall away, like miracle three point shot right before the buzzer to knock off the Hawkeyes 64, 63, and I ran to the bathroom, went into a stall, and just started bawling. Like, I was so heartbreaking. I just cried and cried. And then my dad finally came in. He's like, how you doing, Matt? And I'm like, I'm not good. I, how did they lose? Like, I've lost it. It was it was so painful. And every time I think about that game, I uh, – sucks. Yeah, it sucks. I – I yeah, I uh... – yeah, that that happens, doesn't it? In in Mar- in the March Madness situation, and and it always I'm it always happens to somebody, and I'm sure. I mean, who was the one seed that got knocked off by a 16 seed for the first time ever? Virginia. Who was that? I'm sure. <clears throat> I'm sure they remember that for the rest. But of But then life. they came back the next year and won the title, so they're they're fine. They're fine. Well, like, they, Iowa in the next year didn't make. I don't think we made the tournament again for like several several years. So to have a That's team true. that good, oh. <clears throat> we could have gone far that year too, but uh, tough, tough, tough loss. All right, let's no more sadness. Let's move on. Actually, yeah. I shouldn't say that. No more sadness. We do have, we do unfortunately have some other sad news. But let's go on to the partner up, Jan. Give me your shout out for today's episode. Well, my shout out to team, and this team helped Matt's team, so I thought it was a good shout out for the week. It is Burnley who beat Liverpool one zero. I mean, not only did they beat Liverpool in a game that they needed to win to stay in the title race, basically, they put themselves in this 0-0 position right where they wanted to be, right? And, like, it wasn't that Liverpool was playing bad. They just had their number in the defense. I mean, Liverpool couldn't do anything against them. Like, Mohamed Salah was running around like a madman trying to get around their defense and just could not. They were defensively stout, and then they get a counterattack the other way. Ashley Barnes scores an 83rd minute penalty, uh, which ends up being for the victory. Burnley puts themselves six points clear of relegation, which might honestly be enough at this point with Fulham doing so poorly in that 16th spot, in the 18th spot. Um, Yeah. And I mean, Liverpool on the brink of a lost title defense and it's kind of crazy. And, and then like on top of it, the history of it. I mean, it's the first loss for Liverpool at Anfield since 2017. They hadn't lost since Christian Benteke was scoring goals. I mean, my God. Eight matches, was it? Yeah, something like that. And so to go in and to win a game that you absolutely shouldn't win and to do it the way that they did it, like we hear park the bus all the time, right? But – they didn't fall down an injury. They didn't, like, just knock it away. They stood strong in the defense. They literally, you could not get by a man. And it was so it was so inspiring to watch from this little team playing the champions. And, um, I mean, knocks Liverpool out of the title race conversation for now, for my, in my opinion. Certainly, certainly gave him a big hit. And I think, too, like, it, it like... If that had just been the, you know, the one result that you're like, oh, man, Liverpool, but, like... The last five games, I don't think they've won. Like, they, there's there's something going on there that they aren't figuring out. Um, we play them on Sunday. I don't know if you're going to talk about that one later in the FA Cup, but like, it obviously all my Sunday eggs are in one basket. But um, they don't they don't seem as daunting as as even just a week ago when we played in the Premier League. Like, I I already feel a little more confident about going up against them. You know, right? I mean. <clears throat> Momentum's everything in soccer, you know, because it really the is. best players of the, of the best players. Um, but like you saw, you see it with Bayern, who like even though they won, they only won one zero. They've won two, you know. They they have a bunch of bad results in a row. You don't, you just don't see teams rebounding from bad games very fast because it's all about momentum. And I, 
So Liverpool, they just like, they went in there and could not score in their own stadium against a team that they were leagues better than. That's going to be really hard to get over. I wouldn't be surprised if you guys thrashed them this weekend. I'll talk about it. But like, I, I wouldn't be surprised because you guys have all the confidence in the world and Liverpool feels like they can't score a goal. So I, I yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. But yeah, Burnley's my shout out. Just really great performance from them. Yeah, it was. And you mentioned it. Like, I mean, it's not like that's the first team to park the bus. Like, saying park the bus and preventing goals is is easier said than done, you know, especially against a team like Liverpool that is is used to teams kind of parking the bus against them. So great result for Burnley. Right. And uh, as you said, I, I was certainly quite happy with it. Um, my shout out, as I said, I, I, you know, said we were not going to do all sad news, but unfortunately do have do have a couple of sad news to go over here. My shout out this week is, is or for this episode is for the ex Packers general manager, Ted, Do- Ted Thompson, who passed away this week. Thompson wore many different hats for the Packers throughout his 24 years with the team, but will probably most be remembered in his time as the general manager for drafting Aaron Rodgers in his first year. Uh, he also selected Devontae Adams in the second round, Corey Lindsley in the fifth round, David Bakhtiari in the fourth round. Uh, and his actually his last move with the team was signing Robert Tanyan as an undrafted free agent, um, a part of Damn. a part of two different Super Bowls teams while he was with the pack uh, that he kind of helped construct. And, and I'm certainly hoping that we can say he helped construct uh, a third Super Bowl winning team in the next few weeks. So Ted Thompson, we wish you, a, you know, RIP and we wish your family and everyone close to you the absolute best, a, a, a terrific general manager and, and certainly someone that the Packers wouldn't be nearly as successful as they are right now without him. Yeah, I mean, modern day, one of the most important people in Packers history. Um, and I, yeah, it's so funny because we don't learn, I, I don't, at least maybe you maybe you know more about it, but I feel like I'm always missing out on knowing these amazing people before they pass because like you only know your organizations, right? Like I know, I know the people involved with the Patriots and, you know, Skarnecchia and all these coaches, when they pass, I'll be able to talk about them. But, you know, I didn't really, I, I've heard of Ted Thompson, but like, you know, I'm not a Packers fan, so I never – so to hear that there was a guy who was instrumental in, like, drafting Aaron Rodgers and creating Super Bowl teams and, you know, I, it's always good to, like, remember them and get to know them, even if it's to honor them after their passing. So, you know, uh, he'll, he'll be remembered fondly, and I agree, hopefully, hopefully in the best way this year. Yes, fingers crossed. You're right, though, and I think that's almost even just like a football – like exclusive thing. Cause like you hear about basketball general managers a lot. You hear about, you know, general yeah. managers, even a baseball, a decent amount, but like football, you're right. Like outside of your team. And sometimes it does have to do too, probably with like coaches having a lot more power in the NFL where they're like, I want to construct the team. Like, I mean, Bill Belichick does, you know, so many different jobs for the Patriots. Um, but yeah, it is, it is one of those teams, like one of those things for football where if you don't really know the team, you're not going to like, I, I don't know how many other, general managers or presidents that I can name in the NFL. Yeah, I definitely don't. And anytime, anytime any team has a big name pass, I'm always like, Oh, I didn't know that. Like there was somebody that wasn't like instrumental into creating this team into what they are, but it's good. You know, like you're not at at the end of the day, there are certain names that everybody should know. But I also think that like, Yeah. It, it's hard. It's it's hard. There's there's a lot of different hats in the NFL. Like there's just so much going on. So like you can't know everybody. Um, and as long as you respect them, once you do know them, that's all that matters. For sure. I always I love that part too. Like sometimes I'm like, man, I wish I could have done those sort of jobs. I'm gonna make my kids get into that front office stuff for the uh, for professional sports. What a thing to push your kids into, yeah. my friend. What a thing. Going <laughs> Sorry, kids. I'm telling you now. Sorry. I'm promising you now. I'm gonna force you into it. You'll love it. All right, Jan, let's let's get to the wind sprints. Let's get to the quick cover of the big news from Sports World. Uh, we already talked about Drew Brees a couple episodes, or last episode, a couple days ago. Now the the man who took his job in San Diego, Phillip Rivers, has announced his retirement after 17 seasons in the NFL, 16 with San Diego slash LA Chargers, and of course this past year with the Colts. A guy who, who never quite matched his regular season success in the postseason, but Certainly one of the funniest trash talkers of all time. The fact that he doesn't curse, I just find hysterical. I don't know how the hell he does it. I curse like a sailor. Um, but, you know, the question really surrounding Philip Rivers, Yannick, is is he a Hall of Famer? Uh, it's so hard. I've been I've been mulling this over ever since hearing he's retiring because he's 
you know, it, 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 it's kind of like the, do you put stats over accomplishments, you know, category, you know, and, and I'm going to say this, I, I, I think, like, I think he should be a hall of famer, but I don't think he should be voted in as a Hall of Famer. What I mean is what he's done, you know, in his career is very Hall of Fame worthy in terms of the statistics, in terms of the prolonged success. But when you have so many amazing, and I'm going to focus on quarterbacks, I know that like there's so many other players that go to the Hall of Fame, but when you have so many other amazing statistical quarterbacks that also have at least one, you know, like Drew Brees won once, but like he won you know, and, and same thing with Aaron Rodgers, you know, it's not like he has won as many as Tom Brady, but like he's won, you know, he's at least had any kind of playoff success where you look at Philip Rivers career and it's like, yeah, how are you going to put him in next to these guys? You know, there's, there's, he's not like Warren moon where Warren moon had a lot of things going against him in terms of like, you know, his success and what he could do. He's not like that. He had every chance. He had great teams here and there. It's a really, you know, he had not- some really good teams. Right, exactly. And so to not have like led them there, I think he falls just short, just short. Like I really do. I do appreciate everything he's done for the sport. I think that he's a name that we'll remember for sure. But you can't put you can't put everybody in the Hall of Fame. Otherwise, it becomes otherwise it becomes like it just becomes, oh, you used to play, you know, because everybody's good in the NFL at a a certain level, you know, and like, you you know, a really a really good career is different than a Hall of Fame career. Right. You know, like. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It, it is different. And and like I think of Frank Gore, right? Frank Gore is another player where statistically he's got all the stats. But you know what else he has? He was on that 49ers team. You know what I mean? Like he he did something else. He, he elevated his team to a next level uh, to go, you know, beyond in the playoffs. And, and I I don't think playoffs at everything, you know, like if, if Philip Rivers had gotten to three Super Bowls and just hadn't won. You know, he'd be like Jim Kelly. It's like Jim Kelly never won, but Jim Kelly is a Hall of Famer for sure. But, you, you know, you're talking about the Hall of Fame. You're talking about the Hall of Fame. You know, it's it's we will remember him for his career, but I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. I would argue, too, that I think 16,000 rushing yards, um, particularly now, is more impressive than than 63,000 passing yards like it, it's. And that's and that's why it, I think it is a no for me. I kind of think he'll get voted in. I think he he probably will be a Hall of Famer, but I I don't think he is one. I think there's something to be said for longevity. He certainly has 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 to get credit for that. I think he, they said he played like 240 games, which included you know the ACL tear that he suffered in the playoffs. Um, so so certainly like an impressive thing there. But I also kind of think like. Yes, he, he's fifth all time with with sixty three thousand passing yards, but I kind of think that those stats aren't going to be that great for that long. You know, like he was a quarterback at a time when when the passing attack started to really ramp up. Like we see it, Drew Brees is number one, Brady's number two, even Peyton three, Favre four, like Ben Roethlisberger seven, Eli's eight, Matt, Matt Ryan's nine, Rogers is eleventh. Like the amount of passing yards that happen now are just so much more where I can't even think, you know, guys like Mahomes and Watson are going to just shatter those numbers because it's just so much more of an explosive, explosive passing game. So I I really, I I love Phillip rivers. I, I think he's, he's had a great career, but yeah, to me, he isn't a hall of famer. He's not. Well, cause here's, here's a question I'll ask you, you know who he reminds me of, but like, let's say it's between two, these two guys, who's the hall of famer who gets in, who doesn't Joe Flacco, Phillip rivers. I'd go Philip Rivers there, but Joe Flacco's won a Super Bowl. Yeah, I, I don't, but I don't put only Super Bowl. Like I think Super Bowl is a is is a thing to measure, but I don't think. And like Joe Flacco also had like one really good playoff run to that Super Bowl. I think but he's I also think, like, like if you look if you look at their if you look at their careers, I, I think Philip Rivers was was far far better than Joe Flacco. So I go, I mean, I would choose Philip Rivers over Joe. I don't think Joe Flacco's even close to Hall of Fame. I mean, if Joe got, Flacco goes I mean, to the Hall of Fame, then then every quarterback ever that plays in the Super Bowl deserves to go. Trent Dilfer should go in the Hall of Fame. Like that, I think that's. I don't think he's. Not. I mean, but like, what is he? He's like something like in the top ten in passing yards as well. He's nineteen. You know, he's nineteenth. He's got forty thousand. Okay. Well, I, I. But still, top twenty is not bad either. When you're talking about all time, not you bad. Know, it, but it, you know who else is in the top twenty? Vinny Testaverde. 
and Kerry Collins. And I don't think any of us are I arguing for them to be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I'd, I'd put Testaverde before before uh, Joe Flacco. Yeah, I, I I mean, it's just, it becomes interesting, you know, and I, yeah, but I agree. I, I just think that the Hall of Fame should be more selective, you know? Like, I really think it needs to be more selective. You know, remember we were talking a couple months ago, oh, Roddy White is on, like, the, yeah, Roddy White has a, a bunch of records, good for him, great, but great come player, on, Roddy. But he's not a Hall of Famer. Roddy White, come on. Like, at that point, you know, put Cole Beasley in the hall of fame when he's done, you know, it's like, I just because you're a good put Jeremy Macklin, Jeremy Macklin was great. He's not a hall of famer. Come on. Like, well, I, like, you know, I, yeah. you could probably make the argument that career wise, Philip rivers was better than Eli Manning, but I do think Eli Manning is a hall of famer. And I guess too, I kind of, I kind of think of hall of fame of, of it's not, it's not really even just like winning super bowls or big time stats. It's, it's how much impact you had on the game. And I, and I believe that in 20 years, we'll talk about Eli Manning more than we will about Phillip Rivers. Like, Phillip Rivers will get talked about. But, like, the even if it is just those two Super Bowl runs that Eli had, like, they're impactful. They are. Like, they, they just are, are meaningful and, and monumental. And, and I think that that's the, the biggest currency I give to someone when it comes to the Hall of Fame. That's why, like, Frank Gore, like, 16,000 yards, the, the long career that he's had as a running – like, nobody plays that long as a running back. That's insane. Like, that's monumental. I, I don't know where, you know, Phillip Rivers I, – I, I don't have anything that I can think of that I'm like, oh, yeah, he really – huge impact on the game right there, you know? Yeah, I mean, Eli Manning's a Hall of Famer for sure in my head. I mean, I get I think that, so, like, too. I, I don't I don't even consider that a question. I mean, I I lost to him twice in the Super Bowl. Trust me, we lost to a Hall of Famer. We lost to a Hall of Famer. <laughs> we did not lose to just some schlub. <laughs> Twice <laughs> in an undefeated season. We did not. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, I kind of think Rivers will get in, but um I'm I'm glad I'm glad to hear you're on the same side as me because I just I don't I don't think I don't think he is. And I know he's got some great passes. Like it's kind of insane, you know, when I'm looking at the list right now, it's you know, three is Peyton Manning, four is Brett Favre, five is Phillip Rivers, six is Dan Marino, like it's crazy that he's right there with all those names, but I don't think it's just a, you know, a stats and and longevity. Like I said, something should be said for longevity, but I don't think that's that can't just be the that can't just be the bar, right? Because you're you want to does anyone want to make the argument that Philip Rivers is better than Dan Marino? Like, does anyone make make that argument right now? Like, no, of course not. I'm not that's ridiculous. To say that. I'm not yeah. going to. <laughs> I'm not going to. I'm not going to. Oh, boy. All right. Oh, yeah. uh, we're staying in the NFL, Jan. NFL coaching hires so far. We got Robert Sala. We got Arthur Smith, Urban Meyer, Brandon Staley, Nick Sirianni, uh, and Dan Campbell, who gave one of the funniest opening uh, <laughs> press conferences. Sorry, I lost my words there for a second that I've, I've ever seen. I have no idea what the hell he was talking about. I uh, I kind of get what people are saying where he's like, yeah, he's a football leader, but I'm not sure – I feel like that's kind of an antiquated way to hire a coach. Um, Texans, of course, are still looking for their coach, but it, it's kind of a bit of an underwhelming list. And perhaps more glaringly, and Dominique Foxworth talked about this on Get Up the other day, you know, Robert Sala, the only person of color in this group. It is, it is an incredible accomplishment. He's the first Muslim and, and person of Arab descent to be a head coach in the NFL, so a huge accomplishment for him. But the only person of color in this group so far, and he's only the fourth head coach in the NFL who is a person of head color. Like what gives? I mean, it's the NFL, isn't it? That's why you have the, the, the rule, the minority rule. I'm, I'm blanking on the name right now, but um, I mean, it's been a problem. And I think we have our first black female uh, coach of any kind uh, that, that just came up. I forget what team for, but um, so, you know, we're making some progress here and there, but <laughs> it's crazy to me that, you have so few uh, people of color in, in coaching positions, especially when these white dudes keep coming in and putting their teams at four and 10 situations. Like, why do you want to hire? I, I agree. Dan Campbell, like that whole thing. I, I'm so glad you said that because some people were like, wow, Dan Campbell, really inspiring. I'm like, really? Because he got up there and like, I didn't know what the hell. Gonna, we're going to take three bites out of you. Like, I, what? Yeah. It's like, I'm sorry. Like, do you know the Lions need a lot more than you to and to to change their ways? I'm sorry, you're about to lose Matthew Stafford this offseason. I don't know to who, 
but you're about to lose the only reason you were even remotely relevant. So good luck. Good luck with that, Dan Campbell. You're going to go on 16 again. I, I fully believe that. I, I just think I agree. And like good for Salah, but like there's so many good options out there and hopefully, you know, we see that start to change, but it, it, you know, there's just these sports that have antiquated, antiquated things. You know, it's the same thing with the NBA and female you know, coaches, it's the same thing a little bit. Like you're starting to see it and hopefully see it more, but you know, especially with like, a, like don't football, you think that, but don't you think right? NFL is far worse than like, no, having no women basketball coach, I don't think it is even close to as bad as the, the, the lack of minority head coaches and not even just head coaches, executives, like GMs, presidents and stuff in the NFL. Like I, I, I would argue that that is far more egregious than, than the lack of, of women's because I also think like women's basketball and men's basketball are, are a little different. Um, so I do think there is like a bit of a learning curve to, to it. Um, so I, I think, you know, so the minority, the minority part I would argue is just, is this a little, a little worse for the NFL. Uh, and it's yeah. the, the Rooney rule is the one you're, which I also love the Rooney rule right. named after an old white dude. Right. Like I, what? Terrible. I, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just, I, yeah, I, I don't know if it's better because for me, the reason I think the the basketball thing is crazy is because with football, you know, we don't talk about women's coaches because there's no there's not a women's football league. You know, with in basketball, there's this whole women's basketball league and you would think so many more women would be involved. But you're right. Like, it's the same thing. You're it's 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 both egregious. We're not going to compare the egregiousness. It's both egregious. But I I do agree that, like, in such a minority dominated sport to like not have any it's like it's like watching the oscars and there's no female directors ever or like there's no female like leaders of in in like cinema that are getting their credit even though they're all over the place yeah i i yeah, again I, again i would argue that the the minority coaching and executive hire is is far worse yeah i mean i i i i it's pretty bad. I, 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 I hesitate to say worse or better because they're all awful. But I, I think that I, I, I mean, I mean, when you're picking five, be, five best movies this year, like each year, like, yes, I agree. It needs to be more inclusive and it needs, we need to do a better job. I think we probably need to do a better job of just like making sure more Oscar quote unquote movies are made by, by women and stuff, because like there's only a certain movie that we consider as Oscar. So I think we just need to do a, a better job there. But when you're picking like five things on merit, each year like unfortunately that's probably going to be the case and i think sometimes too like it's it's one of those things where it needs to be more diverse but like like i said i think it needs to be more diverse from like the beginning to the end because like sometimes the movies aren't like sometimes they don't deserve to be up for it but like you can't tell me that more black head coaches and more black executives shouldn't be in the nfl each year like we've just saw what raheem morris was doing for the falcons after they fired dan quinn we know how good Eric Bieniemy is. It, Robert Sala, I mean, thank God he got one. But like, it, it's it's a little, it's just a little more like right in your face of the discrepancy and 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 such. Right, and you know what it is, you know, it's the executive thing that you brought up that's especially egregious, right? Because you want to have more black head coaches, but the but unfortunately, the way that you get more black head coaches is by having more black people in the room Absolutely. making the decision. And so, like, that's especially, like, I think the first thing, I mean, both of them need to be doing done simultaneously, but I think that's the real change that needs to happen. Um, you saw, to if you more saw more black make, executives, you would see more black head coaches. Like, abs- absolutely. I, absolutely. 100%. Because some of these white head coaches that are getting hired are terrible. <laughs> they shouldn't have jobs anymore. I mean, why Doug Marone is now going to Alabama is beyond me. Is absolutely beyond me. I just like you couldn't find anyone better than Doug Marone. Like, what did he do that made you? Ugh, whatever. I mean, he's he's only he's an O line coach. So, still, I, Doug, I, Doug Marone's probably a decent O line coach. He's not a good head coach, but uh, yeah, no, I think it is a lot of the times like just like these, and I think I think too that we just like see in the NFL is like a lot of the white assistants get a little bit more of the benefit of the doubt to get hired. They're like, oh yeah, like right, he exactly. hasn't really proven himself, but. He might be able to, um, and it is it is an underwhelming, you know, a lot of underwhelming coaching hires. To be fair, I was pretty underwhelmed by Matt Lafleur, and he has been nothing but fantastic. Of course, it helps when you have Aaron Rodgers, but 
as somebody who watches every Packers game, I can tell you this team looks completely fucking different with him, you know, holding, running the offense than it did under Mike McCarthy. So he has had an impact. So sometimes, you know, just because it's underwhelming doesn't mean it's going to be poor. But uh, you know, the, just the fact that the fact that we don't see more more people of color um, represented in in the coaching staffs at, at the higher you know levels of the coaching staffs is it needs a change. Yeah, exactly. And you know what it is, Matt? Like the last thing I'll say about it is like, even if all of these head coaches surprise me, even if all of these teams get turned around and are playoff contenders, I still will believe that they that that I'm that there should be more black head coaches. You know, it's right. not it's not about and both can, do, both can be know? true. Like both can be true. And, and both honestly, are true. All these guys could could be good hires and they could be good head coaches. Like it's not even like I don't even think we're really attacking them so much. Like these guys can only do no, no. they can only do like all of them are trying to be head coaches. And and I I'm not gonna hold it against them for getting a head coaching job when that is probably their their, you know, their goal in life. Like good job for you. It, it's more of the it's it's one of those things where it's like you gotta instead of focusing on like the symptoms or what's happening, you have to look at really the, the beginning stages of it. And it's like, all right, how do we really attack this um and i am like i almost even think like the rooney rule is just like stupid because i think it almost gives it gives them this caveat to be like all right we talked to a black head coach now we're done we're like there shouldn't i I don't know how to word this because because it's one of those things where it's like we we, at, at times we need to have things in place to help make equality happen i just don't think the rooney rule is that thing no, because it's it, it, the power with the Rooney rule is still in the hands of the white executives, which is exactly what we're talking about, right? We need more black executives making decisions. That way you don't need a Rooney rule. They're already putting that in place when they're making their decisions and making their suggestions on who should get interviews, right? That's already something they take into account because of their experience. You know, the Rooney rule is just like a quota. And we we know from from several instances of social and civil situations in this country that quotas don't work. It's just like a way of getting around actually making any change based on saying I tried to make change, you know? Yeah. You need black executives oh, I did my to part. make decisions. Checked it off. Yeah, exactly. And it never works that way. It never, ever works that way. So, I, yeah, I think more black people need to be making choices in the NFL, and, and, and that way, you know, you'll have more opportunities and get the right people in the right jobs. I could not agree more, Jan. Um, all right. Well, we go to our last little bit of news, and unfortunately, a little bit more of sad news. Hank Aaron, um, the hammer, the home run king, passed away today at the age of 86, 25-time All-Star, third most hits ever with 3,771, most RBIs ever with 2,297, and of course, you know, most famously known, as I mentioned, the home run king as, as holding the home run title for many years with 755. I feel like Yannick, we, and I, I don't even think we, we just do this, but sports people do this. And certainly we do it on our show. We say, you know, one of the all time greats kind of a lot. I'm, I'm not sure it's ever rung more true than, than in reference to Hank Aaron. Right. I mean, I, I'm trying to think of the last time I said an all time great, uh, like in terms of someone passing, I think the last time that I would have said someone's name that, that compared to Hank Aaron was Kobe Bryant when he passed. Like that is the last Maradona. time I'm able to say Maradona as well. Yeah. Those two, that's it. That's really it. Because Hank Aaron, he's got what the second most all time, all um, all time home runs. Mm-hmm. And in my head, it's the first, because I don't really, I don't really know where I stand on Barry Bonds in terms of everything that, that, you know, his situation, which we don't really have to get into because it's not about him. You know, I, I think that Hank Aaron just for the longest time, I mean, just when I heard that, when I saw the news, I was just like, oh, Hank Aaron, like on the Mount Rushmore of hitters in baseball, like top four of all time in a sport that has millions and millions of hitters, you know, to be there and to do it the way he did it. And like, without bringing up too much controversy to do it without any help to do it with his own talent, to do it with any, you know, I, I just think Hank Aaron is such an inspiration and, 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 and a, and a mega hitter in time, in a time where you didn't have these mega hitters, you had one or two or three names that were like him and you won't ever have a hitter like him. And so, um, you know, we talked about this on, on the side, great life that he lived, you know, anybody who makes it past 85, you know, you, you gotta say, you know, he lived a great life and we'll remember him as hammer and Hank, uh, forevermore. And, uh, 
it, yeah, definitely a sad time in, in the sport. I think, I mean, I think you could make the argument pro- probably even more so for Hank Aaron than maybe I, I, I hesitate to say Maradona, but uh, maybe, maybe more than Maradona and Kobe Bryant of, of being the greatest player of all time. Like Aaron, Hank Aaron might be right. the greatest ba- baseball player of all time. I think he's got maybe the best argument too. And you mentioned Barry Bonds, but like, Barry Bonds got 762 home runs. Hank Aaron has 755. Like, it's not like, like if Barry, you know, and we all can, we all got our own opinions on Barry Bonds. He's certainly a, a very uh, difficult person to talk about and, and a legacy that's tough to unpack. But, you know, so Barry Bonds has seven more than him. Third place, Babe Ruth has 714. Like, Hank Aaron dominated that record that Babe Ruth had. Yeah. Like, Hank Aaron, and, and I think, too, Hank Aaron doesn't just have the power, but like I said, third in hits all time. Like, he, he wasn't just a guy that was a power hitter. He was also an extremely efficient hitter. Like, the, the guy just got it done, uh, and a guy who played for so long, and, and truly, truly a great one. Uh, so, we wish we wish his family and, and everyone close to him well. God, I hate that I have to say that twice. But uh, R.I.P. Hamer and Hank. Oh, 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 oh,